friends are my power. What is going on, my guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to Nerd Explosion, the weekly podcast are based on a monthly topic. I nerd out, but whatever I want. As always, I'm your host, Cameron. Now I'm just gonna cut right to the chase here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste time bullshitting ya. We you know what the topic is about, you know what the title is, you've seen the title, you know what the title is. Can I stall anymore? No, I can't. Because the theme for February is Kingdom hearts now i i'm gonna do a thing here where i'm not gonna i'm not just gonna go over each game uh for those of you who don't know actually i'll give a brief summary of what kingdom hearts is so kingdom hearts series of games you know you know the thing it's Sora, donald and goofy traveling to different worlds and uh trying to save each world from the darkness taking over it there is an organization most of you know the games most of you don't know the games but what I'm going to plan to do with this episode to try to get some of those people, uh, to get some people, you know, familiarized with like the story and everything, because the whole, the timeline and everything is so goddamn complicated. I found a concise way to actually explain the, uh, series of events. Now this, this website I found, uh, Vriterion.com. I think this is actually from somebody's Twitter or whatever. But they basically did a whole story summary of everything, you know, chronologically. So starting with what is technically the first game in the series, uh, leading all the way up. So uh, thank you, Vrytirion, for providing this information. And I'm going to pass it on to you guys. Uh, There is some stuff that they don't include in this, which I will have to explain. But I figured that's a good way for people who want to know, like, what the story is, people who want to get, like, a summary of each story. Now, this one doesn't include Dark Road or 3, but what's going to happen, because I think this is going to take a while, I might actually split this episode into two parts. So this episode will be part one, and it'll end probably whenever I decide it to end. And then uh, part two will just pick up right where part one left off, obviously. But, yeah, I just want to go over the story of each game and kind of explain the series of events. And, you know, I thought, you know, it's story time. Story time with Cameron. This is the story of Kingdom Hearts. So, strap yourselves in. Grab some popcorn. Or, if you're working or whatever, this is going to be a nice distraction in the background. Just have me babble in the background while you do your taxes or whatever. But, I am going to start telling the story of Kingdom Hearts. All worlds begin in darkness, and all so end. The heart is no different. Darkness sprouts within it. It grows, consumes it. Such is its nature. In the end, every heart returns to the darkness whence it came. You see, darkness is the heart's true essence. So before we actually get into all this, I think there are some key things that I need to explain before, you know, we get into everything. So, first off, in the Kingdom Hearts universe, light and dark are more than just a metaphor. They're actual, like, tangible things, and light is good, and dark is bad, obviously. Uh, The other thing, people's hearts 
are more like their souls or their beings. And when somebody loses their heart, they're, they, they become a dart or heartless and their body that they left behind becomes a nobody. But if they're strong-willed enough, that heartless and nobody... Actually, I think it's just a nobody. The nobody takes on you know, a human form, but, you know, to walk around and talk, but it's not the original person. It's They take on a new identity. And if the heartless that is created from somebody, if the heartless and nobody that are created from somebody both get destroyed, that original person becomes whole again, and they become a somebody. Uh, also... Yes, there are Disney and Final Fantasy characters everywhere, and it's like a whole mess. They don't really matter that much. And uh, also, Keyblades are more than just, like, a weapon. Like, yes, they're a weapon, but they also unlock any door. They're kind of like wands, and that's just the whole basic thing. So, with that being said, let's get into the story, shall we? So... Our tale begins with key slash unchained key slash back cover. The tale begins in the age of fairy tales, where the master of masters has entrusted each of his five apprentices with a copy of the Book of Prophecies, a tome that contains the future, but also contains other power like the ability to create worlds. The book foretells of a dire event coming where an all-out war will consume the world and darkness will swallow the light. The Master of Masters warns his apprentices that this event is set in stone and is impossible to change so not to fixate on it. Instead, plan for what comes next. He also bestows a special task on each of his apprentices. Ira is given the task of being the leader. Asad is given the task of supporting Ira and taking his place should Ira prove unreliable at his task. Envy was tasked with observing her fellow apprentices and acting as a mediator. Ava was given the goal of training dandelions, keyblade wielders that would go forth after the war to help rebuild, and Gulla was given a missing page from the Book of Prophecy that speaks of a traitor and is tasked with discovering who it is. The Master Master's final apprentice, Lushu, was not given a copy of the book. Instead, Lushu was entrusted with the Master Master's Keyblade that had one of his eyes drafted into it and told to take the Keyblade and use it to witness the events in the future so the Master's current self could see them and create the Book of Prophecies. He also entrusts Lushu with a trunk that he is told never to open. With that done, the Master Master's vanishes without a trace and shortly after, Lushu does as well. The remaining five apprentices go about their other main task, the formation of unions. Unions would be a unified team of Keyblade wielders that would work to carry out each union's goal, namely the gathering of Lush or Light, from various worlds that are eventually revealed to be artificial worlds created by the Book of Prophecies. This goal eventually starts to drive a wedge between the five apprentices, now called foretellers, as accusations of stealing Lush and fierce competition creates animosity between the unions. All the while behind the scenes, the foretellers grew increasingly worried about a potential traitor among them and began to plot against each other. Finally, with the unions at each other's throats and the foretellers turned against each other, all five go to war. In an event that history would come to know as the Keyblade War, scores of Keyblade wielders 
died in a fierce battle between the unions to lay claim to the light for their own faction, Kingdom Hearts, the source of all light, was swallowed up by the darkness, and on a hill in the distance stands Lushu, holding the Master Master's T-Blade. Our story continues in Union Cross. Following the events of the T-Blade War, the T-Blade wielders that survived awoke in various worlds that they had visited that were created by the Book of Prophecies. The T-Blade War remembered only as a terrible dream as they continued on their adventures and made friends in Daybreak Town and other various worlds. However, things weren't like they were before. The foretellers were gone. In their place, five specially selected members of the Dandelions were to take over and form new unions and lead the remaining T-Blade wielders. They were presented with special books that would guide them crafted by Master Ava. One girl who received such a book, Sterletia, is murdered by a shadowy figure and her book is stolen. The other new leaders assemble. Stold and Ephemera, friends of the player character. Brain, an inquisitive fellow who hides his face with a big hat. Thorium, a pink-haired boy and Sterletia's brother. And Ventus. They begin to work together to figure out solutions for those who remain and how best to move forward. To assist them, a single copy of the Book of Prophecy was left in the Foreteller's Tower for them, so they start not knowing that one among them isn't supposed to be there. Meanwhile, Maleficent has appeared within the world and has begun to try to enact her plan before Sora could even exist, but despite her knowledge of the future, she cannot even succeed in the Enchanted Dominion, let alone escape to the outside that she had before. A shadowy figure appears to confront her, explaining that she can't change the scenario that's been created. Inquiring further, the shadow explains to Maleficent that without the Book of Prophecy, no worlds could be created, so in preparation for the events after the T-Blade War, data worlds were created instead. All of the worlds that the Book of Prophecy created were recreated in data form for the T-Blade wielders. When Maleficent leapt through time, she didn't land in her enchanted domain, but the data version. Because of that, she is stuck in the same loop regardless of what she tries to do. However, the shadowy figure can help her get back to her own time. Now, at this point, I'm gonna, this is me talking now. At this point, Union Cross hadn't been fully updated, but from what I understand with the ending, uh, they do more, you know, the, the leaders do whatever. They, uh, they figure out Ventus is basically the one that doesn't belong there. Uh, he uses light to help guide them. And you find out that people, like, there's people that become, uh, the Dream Eaters that you meet in, uh, Dream Drop Distance. And also, while we're on this subject, uh, Dark Road actually takes place a little bit after this. And the basic thing of Dark Road is that it explains, like, Xehanort's background. It shows, you know, Ansem, who is Xehanort's Heartless in the future, coming to Xehanort in the past and being like, Hey, come to the dark side, we got cookies, you know? And... Explains how Xehanort, you know, grew up, gained a bunch of power, uh, trained under Ansem the Wise and everything, and, you know, came into the darkness. So, with that, I know it's weird they don't have the ending of Union Cross here, but, at like I said, at the time it wasn't updated. But, that is the end of the story of Union Cross, and we can continue with the rest of the story.
Moving on with the timeline, next we got Birth by Sleep. In a more recent time, a trio of Keyblade wielders named Ventus, Terra, and Aqua seek to complete their training and earn their Mark of Mastery, a symbol of Keyblade Mastery that demonstrates one ability to resist the darkness. Aqua and Terra are both being tested for the mark under the supervision of Master Ericus and his colleague and current wielder of the Master of Masters Keyblade, Xehanort. Xehanort, however, tampers with the testing, allowing for the darkness to manifest during the trial. Aqua manages to overcome the challenge and earns her mark, but much to Xehanort's delight, Terra seems to give in to the darkness. While Ericus will not grant Terra the mark of mastery, he has need of both Terra and Aqua to address the matter of a growing number of creatures in the worlds called the Unversed. Ericus then asks Aqua, in secret, to watch over Terra and make sure he doesn't stray into the darkness. Meanwhile, Ven is provoked into leaving as well by Xehanort's apprentice, Venetus. At this point, the three young Keyblade wielders' stories divide. Terra's journey has him seeking out the now-missing Master Xehanort, who appears to be searching for the Seven Princesses of Pure Hearts. On his journey, he unwillingly collaborates with a number of Disney villains, including Maleficent, to discover the whereabouts of Xehanort. At one point, Terra visits a world called Destiny Islands, where he encounters a pair of young boys named Ritu and Sora. Seeing the potential of heroism in the young Ritu, Terra performs a ritual that marks Ritu as the next in line to inherit Ter Terra's Keyblade. When he finally locates the Master, Xehanort warns him that Ericus is betraying Terra by holding back his potential and can't be trusted. This is only confirmed when Terra returns to Master Ericus, only to find him attacking Ventus. Terra intervenes and ultimately ends up slaying his teacher and father figure, driving Terra to flee. Ventus's tale, however, confronts the matter of Ven's dark past. A former disciple of Xehanort, the master pushed Ven to the limits to rip, rip apart the boy's heart and parsing out the light from the dark. Ventus only survived the ordeal thanks to a young boy named Sora, who agreed to lend the light of his heart to Ventus. Xehanort hopes to pit Ventus against his darker half, Venetus, to create a weapon known as the Keyblade. Key with an X. The ultimate and original Keyblade that has failed to have the power to open up the heart of all worlds and the source of all light, Kingdom Hearts. When Ventus confronts Ericus about this fact, Ericus realizes that the only way to stop Xehanort from getting the Keyblade and Kingdom Hearts is to destroy Ven. The battle is interrupted by Terra, who kills Ericus and drives Ven into despair. Aqua's journey is spent trying to find her two friends who she worries about. Visiting many worlds after Terra has visited them, she learns of all the horrible things Terra has done allying himself with the villains and fears that she is losing him to the darkness. She also struggles to convey her concerns to Ven, who lashes out at her like she was an overconcerned parent who doesn't understand Terra. Aqua too travels to the Destiny Islands where she meets the young boys Ritu and Sora, and while tempted to bestow her Keyblade to Sora like she senses Terra did for Ritu, she worries that it would ruin their friendship. Instead, she accidentally bequeaths her Keyblade to a young princess she encounters on the world of Radiant Gardens named Kairi, who unknowingly triggers the ritual by grabbing the handle of Aqua's Keyblade. Aqua also meets at several points with the powerful sorcerer Yen Zid and joins forces with his young apprentice Mickey Mouse. 
across several worlds before ultimately learning of Eritus' death and is ordered by Yen Sid to go find her friends at the T-Blade graveyard. The three friends reunite twice in their journeys. The first is at Radiant Durton's after they have each had run-ins with Xehanort's newest lackey, a guard by the name of Braid, who wants the power that Xehanort is offering. The last time is at the T-Blade graveyard, the site where countless years ago, the foretellers and their unions did battle and brought about the destruction of light. It's here where the climactic showdown with the Grand Puppet Master behind their conflicts, as well as the creator of the Unversed, Master Xandor and his apprentice Venetus, occurs. Ven and Aqua face off against Venetus, only for Ven to have his heart absorbed and turn into the T-Blade. Aqua is able to defeat Venetus with the help of Bitty. Terra, however, faces off with Xehanor himself, but is defeated when Xehanor uses the Master of Masters T-Blade to unlock his heart and transfer into Terra's body, which turns his long hair a stark white and makes his eyes glow yellow. However, Terra's pure willpower is bound to his T-Blade armor, which acts on his own to strike down Terra Xehanor. At the same time, Aqua's defeat of Venetus and the shattering of the now-declared imperfect T-Blade triggers a massive pillar of light to consume the graveyard. Terra Xehanort is swept away, Terra's lingering will stays planted there, and Aqua and Ven flee to be found by Mickey. In the aftermath of the battle, Aqua takes Ven's now heartless body back to the Land of Departure where they were raised by Ericus. The Land of Departure had been consumed by the darkness after Master Ericus's death, but Aqua carries Ven into the throne room of the palace and uses Ericus's T-Blade to put the entire castle into a secret lockdown mode. She places Ven in a room where only those who already know where it is can find it and leaves sealing the reformed castle, now dubbed Castle Oblivion, promising to return to wake Ven up. Aqua then travels to Radiant Gardens to find Terra Xehanort, who has lost many of his memories, and attempting to help him, she triggers Xehanort's dominant control on the body, and they have one final battle before Terra Xehanort tries to unlock his heart once more, wiping his mind and sinking Terra's body into the darkness. Aqua dives in after him, but once it becomes clear that they won't be able to escape together in time before the gateway closes, she grants Terra Xehanort her armor and sends them back to Radiant Gardens, where Braid has brought his lord, Ansem the Wise, to see the amnesiac boy. Aqua floats off into the darkness, her only comfort being that her friends are safe. Xehanort stopped and the Unverse dealt with. Finally, Ventus's lost little heart finds a new home safely within the heart of the boy who shared his light with him before, Sora. Continuing on, we have Fragmentary Passage Part 1. Now, I say Part 1, so because just so you guys know, Fragmentary Passage was its own game, basically, and it explained Aqua's journey through the Realm of Darkness. And there's a Part 1 because part of Fragmentary Passage takes place before, you know, the after the events of Birth by Sleep, but before the first Kingdom Hearts, and then there's another part of Fragmentary Passage that takes place later. But anyway, let's go on with the story of Fragmentary Passage. Lost in the darkness, Aqua wanders on and on. Devoid of any sense of time, she's not even sure how long she's been there. 
She comes across worlds she once had visited but have been consumed by darkness and little by little she falls into despair as she wonders what horrible things must have happened in the world of light for all of this to transpire. She is constantly haunted by visions of Terra and Ven until one point where she is actually able to contact Terra's heart. She is so overwhelmed by her happiness that Terra is there that she almost reveals where Ven is hidden in Castle Oblivion before the real Terra appears to stop the one who she is talking to, now revealed to be Terra Xehanort. The two Terras battle for control before vanishing and leaving Aqua alone again, but now tempered with the knowledge that Xehanort was not defeated and her friends still need her. She continues her long journey in the darkness before meeting up with Mickey Mouse again who is searching for the Keyblade of Darkness that belongs to that world. Mickey explains that he and his friends are trying to stop the darkness and its minions, which he explains are called Heartless, by sealing the door to light. Aqua agrees to help as their journey takes them to the darkness consumed world of Destiny Islands. There, Mickey is able to get the Keyblade. He asks Aqua to come along so she can return to the light but she says someone has to defend them while they close the door. As they succeed in closing the door to Kingdom Hearts, which Aqua notes looks nothing like the Kingdom Hearts she has seen before, Aqua rests on the beach of Destiny Islands, resolved to keep fighting before islands are reborn in the realm of light and Aqua slips back into the darkness once more. Sometime after, she comes across an old man dressed in red robes who explains that he was helping a precocious youth save the worlds. Aqua inquires whether the youth's name was either Ventus or Terra in hopes of news that her friends are well, but the elderly gentleman tells her a different name, one that seemins, seemingly puts a smile on her weary face. Sora. 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 Kingdom Hearts 1 Ten years have passed since the battle at the Keyblade Graveyard with Master Xehanort. On the sleepy little world of Disney Islands, the trio of friends, Sora, Riku, and Kairi, dream of leaving their world and going on adventures. They get their wish in a most unfortunate way, as a man in a brown robe tells Sora that their world has been connected and is attacked by black creatures known as Heartless. Kairi mysteriously vanishes when she is thrown by a blast of wind into Sora, and Riku invites Sora to come with him and that they shouldn't fear the darkness because it's their way to the other worlds. Sora, on the other hand, resists the siren's call of the darkness and calls upon a fabled weapon to fight back, a Keyblade. However, his efforts are for naught, as the islands are still consumed and Sora is tossed to a world for those who have lost theirs, Traverse Town. There, Sora encounters Leon, Yuffie, Sid, and Aerith, survivors from another world, who tell him about the Keyblade, how it can open any lock, how it can vanquish the darkness, but at the same time, the Heartless crave it and will continue to hunt Sora and his strong heart so long as he carries it. Sora then also meets Donald and Goofy, servants and pals of the now teen Mickey Mouse, who came to find a Keyblade wielder to help save the worlds. Sora, Donald, and Goofy decide to travel together and try to help the worlds and search for Sora's friends along the way. As they journey to different worlds, they learn of a plot by the villains from many worlds uniting to capture the Princesses of Heart, seven maidens without darkness in their hearts, and of the man named Ansem who once studied the Heartless before being consumed by the darkness himself. 
Sora reunites with Ritu only to find that his old friend is much more cold-hearted and antagonistic towards Sora, mocking him for abandoning his friends to run around with Donald and Goofy with his shiny new Keyblade. Meanwhile, Ritu has been searching for a way to help Kairi, who he has found with the aid of his new ally, Maleficent, the leader of the villains, only Kairi is trapped in a coma without a heart. This confrontation comes to a head at the world of Hollow Bastion, former homeworld of characters like Cloud, Leon, Yuffie, and Sid, and their once ruler, Ansem, who experimented with darkness and eventually unleashed the Heartless onto the worlds. Riku confronts Sora and proves that he has the stronger heart and thus takes the Keyblade away from Sora. Donald and Goofy likewise abandon Sora because they are under orders to follow the Keyblade wielder. Sora chooses to persevere regardless of having a weapon and finds his way into the castle where he confronts Ritu once more. Ritu laughs at Sora's pathetic attempts and attempts to strike down his former friend, but Goofy blocks it, saying that while he would prefer not to disobey King Mickey, he refuses to abandon his friends either. Donald then joins him as well, and using the strength of his friends to bolster his heart, Sora wins back the Keyblade. My friends are my power! Ritu, in a panic, flees and stumbles upon a brown-robed man in the deep halls of Hollow Bastion. The cloaked figure explains that in order for Ritu to succeed, he must give in completely and open his heart to the darkness and forges his own Keyblade using the hearts of the six princesses of heart gathered thus far. Sora arrives and Ritu explains that Kairi's heart is trapped within Sora and that he will use his Keyblade to open Sora's heart and take it so that Ritu can open the door to darkness and find Kingdom Hearts. Ritu reveals that he is no longer Ritu but Ansem, the Seeker of Darkness. Sora manages to defeat Ansem Ritu but then decides to use Ritu's Keyblade on himself to free Kairi's heart. Kairi awakens just in time to see Sora vanish and turn into a Heartless. Fortunately, Kairi is able to call Sora's heart back from the darkness and return him to normal. Now all that's left for Sora, Donald, and Goofy is to travel to the end of all worlds and face off against Ansem one final time. They defeat him at the gates of what they believe is Kingdom Hearts, but is actually the door to the realm of darkness. There, they find Ritu and Mickey who helped to close the, deal, the door and seal it once and for all. Kairi and Sora share a final goodbye as the worlds consumed by darkness begin to rebuild themselves and Sora, Donald, and Goofy depart once more to find Ritu and King Mickey. Our journey continues in Chain of Memories. Sora, Donald, and Goofy's journey to find the king and Ritu takes them to a world steeped in darkness known as Castle Oblivion, where they encounter the black hooded figures known as Organization 13. The organization explains that Castle Oblivion holds the answers that Sora seeks, but in order to find them, he must forget. Unsure of what that means and spurred on by his resolve, Sora begins to climb the castle floor by floor with each taking the shape and form of a world he had previously visited. With each floor, however, Sora's memories begin to change. His lucky wayfinder, given to him by Kairi, Sora now claims was given to him by a girl he had completely forgotten back on the Destiny Islands named Naminé. In truth, 
Namine is a girl described by the organization as a witch that has power over Sora's heart and is being used to rewrite his memories so that he serves their purposes. However, things are not that clear cut within the organization as it is revealed that the small number that occupies Castle Oblivion are actually a splinter group that seeks to take control of Sora and overthrow Organization 13 proper. One member of the organization named Axel is one by one either eliminating the traitorous members or is allowing them to be destroyed. Sora, meanwhile, continues his journey through the castle. He is confronted several times by what he thinks is his dear friend Riku, but is in fact a cloned duplicate created by members of the organization. The clone Ritu further fuels Sora's determination by mocking his attempts and claiming that he, and not Sora, will be the one to protect Naomine. Sora's drives becomes so... Sora's drive becomes so volatilely single-minded that he even lashes out at Donald and Goofy when they begin to question the changing nature of Sora and his memories. Ultimately, Sora defeats Marluxia, the leader of the Splinter Group, and finds Naomine, who profusely apologizes for what has happened to Sora. She explains everything in her part in the plan, and that she had been dismantling the chains that connect everyone to Sora's heart, causing him, and them, to forget about Sora. However, she says she can rewrite Sora's memories to the way they were and reconnect all the chains inside his heart, the trade-off being that it would take nearly a year to do it all, and Sora would have no memory of what happened inside Castle Oblivion. Torn between losing Naomine and remembering the others, Sora eventually agrees and is sealed within a chamber to sleep. Meanwhile, in the basement of Castle Oblivion, Riku awakens from slumber after having drifted here following closing the door to darkness. He begins his own journey down through the lower floors of the castle, where he confronts other members of the organization whose battles with Ritu are recorded as data that is utilized to create the Ritu clone. However, his greatest challenge comes in the form of facing off with the specter of Ansem that still lingers within Ritu's heart and forced to face the darkness within him. Along with Ansem is a red-clad man who calls himself Diz, who demands that Ritu pick a side, darkness or light. With Naminé's help, Riku realizes that just because he uses the darkness does not mean it has to control him, and that it's as much of a power of him as the light, and that he mustn't fear it. Riku awakens to using the powers of darkness and light to defeat the Ansem within himself and rejoins Team Mickey donning the same black coats as the organization uses to travel through the darkness on their journey. They meet with Diz on the road, who claims Ritu has chosen the path to dust, to which Ritu smiles and responds that it's not dust, it's the road to dawn. And with that, that's going to be the end of part one. There is still plenty of story to talk about. There is still plenty of Kingdom Hearts goodness to talk about, but... That will continue in part two, so join me next week as we continue this journey on explaining the timeline of Kingdom Hearts. I hope you have a fantastic day, drink plenty of water, and I will see you guys in the next one. Nerd out.